So, at about 5.30 this morning, I got up. I had actually gone up at 4. We were stopping And then realised, hey, I've got to get up at 6 for this conversation with Barney Dicker and friends. Got up at 5.30, pseudo-woke myself up to have this conversation with Barney Dicker. And also Spencer, aka Spencer Game, was on the call as well. And I realised I hadn't actually recorded uh, My Rules of Beta for quite some time. And also I could use this as a simulcast for... What's it called? Long Funk, which I did for folks who had listened to my rules a bit last time. I actually announced as Long Funk at the start. Welcome to Dad Memory. We might talk about that today. Not sure. Both Spencer and Barney wanted me to record. Well, Spencer more than Barney. But anyway, wanted me to record another podcast uh, in the My Rules a feed to talk about Sim C line or just give an update associated with firstly what it was, secondly where it was at, and thirdly what was being produced associated with it. With the view that it does overlap into aspects of My Rules Are Better and aspects of Long Funk. And it certainly represents, in some regard, although it was started before COVID, well, through the early parts of COVID, it's very much part of this new philosophy that I'm running with currently associated with getting as much done as possible and just getting stuff out and trying to avoid what I guess has been maybe the past four or five years Barney alluded to it briefly in the call, but some background to this, as much as I can give candidly, I was part of a number of simulation movements and also had my own personal simulation that had a very specific name, and a comedian, I'd I'd done this since 1996 and was quite well known, and the simulation was used by a couple of large-name companies for many years, Intel and Apple, and um, yeah, I was just relatively well-known in the space associated with the simulation, and then a comedian came along because for his special, which he does normally one, maybe one and a half of a year, he wanted to call it the same as my simulation name and decided to expunge me from the internet, which was a very interesting experience, including removing me and a bunch of stuff that I'd worked on from Wikipedia, even though I hadn't put in the entries myself and really actually complied with every aspect of Wikipedia. What's come out later is that people are paid frequently to edit Wikipedia based on removing stuff and a bunch of external interests. So Wikipedia has just become a game that I have nothing more to do with. And having gone through this experience and having had so much of my work just expunged and basically appearing for anyone new to the internet who's never discovered my work historically, there's very little ways of discovering my work aside from old books, which no one seems to read anyway. So I was in a strange uh, situation where firstly I had to get rid of a bunch of folk that I'd known for a number of years who had claimed to be my friends in some regard, but had done absolutely nothing through this period and worked towards this detriment and just clean up my life, basically. COVID happened, a bunch of additional stuff happened through COVID, and I came out the other end uh, with the simulation project based on London in 1940 with a slight chance of invasion. And the idea behind that was that I had done a lot of work with agent modelling, which is just basically in my case, models of apes, but really models of people. Uh, And with cityscapes in particular, there was a level of fascination associated with simulating cityscapes to a relative level of detail where the agents were motivated by trackable means. Now, in the case of the Second World War, in the case of the Home Guard, in the case of basically every aspect of this, including the Wolfwaffe that was dropping bombs on England over that period of time, the motivations of the entities that were part of this thing could be quite easily simulated. My background in simulation is whenever people say can't be simulated, that's exactly where I start. And anything that can be said can be simulated. And basically, I'm just, that's been the nature of my after hours work. I've been relatively lucky to be employed gainfully up until this time. 
um, possibly into the future as well. And the nature of my work has just been, my after hours work has just been exploiting these ideas in simulation by actually demonstrating them. So, uh, sea lion as a thing posed a number of interesting components. Um, it's mainly mythology now, and certainly when you start to look at these things critically, particularly with regards to agent modeling and simulation, you have to deal with what you know, what you can say are constants, what you can't say are constants, what people would like to see, like obviously Luftwaffe bombing, even though the Luftwaffe records of the bombing and the actual locations that were bombed and a variety of other things, you start to find, unfortunately, it become incredibly fuzzy. And you start to actually really have to address what the nature of the Second World War is in terms of factual knowledge and how strongly you should relate to this factual knowledge. So a lot of the stuff in SimSea Line is based on primary source information, which is incredibly interesting and certainly something that I got into through the COVID period. So uh, a relatively large land area, it's about 100 miles by 100 miles, represented down to the individual buildings and even simulating the rooms in the individual buildings. Now, let's talk a little bit about my background with urban simulation. I wrote an <laughs> urban terrorist simulation uh, called The Mushroom Boy back in 1997. And at the time, I got a grant from the Commonwealth Science and Industry Research Organization uh, the CSIRO in Australia in order to continue with the simulation. However, I didn't take the funding because I wanted to have the intellectual property for the future, which uh, here has been remarkably useful. So SimSea Line um, is both a simulation and it's also now a book project to cover the early part of the simulation and also cover a lot of the primary material, how I've used the primary material and translated that into simulation with a pre-existing simulation that I don't really talk about but obviously has to be talked about at some stage so there's at least another book there associated with talking about contemporary simulation methodology and where my existing open source code because basically the project didn't die when the comedian started his i mean here we're talking about someone who made 30 million dollars in a year and was using thousands tens of thousands of dollars to remove me from the internet for an extended period of time and basically that writes itself so as an individual, I've never really been interested in amassing as much money to save my intellectual property as possible. And I just basically thought, let rip after a period of time. So in any case, that's SimSea Line. As it is currently for maybe three years solidly, I say five to some because I give a kind of fuzzy period of continued communication. I've also worked on some of Bob Bottrum's work. Uh, my longtime cohort, co-coder, Bob Bottrum, has come back and gotten involved with Sim Line, which really is 90% of why the simulation is where it is today. Although I write a lot of code to check and, you know, monitor, um, you know, Bob's various directions. And it really is quite curious, actually, my relationship with Bob in the long-term sense. I have been able to meet the gentleman on a few occasions. I haven't been able to meet the gentleman again since COVID. My hope is sometime in the next three years to get to his part of Yorkshire, because I have friends in Yorkshire as well. I have family in Yorkshire, actually. So, you know, Bob and I have worked together because we're relatively like-minded cohorts. I do make jokes occasionally and Bob just doesn't answer them. I really do feel a like-minded person with regards to Bob Mottram. He's slightly older than I am. I'm not sure of his exact age, but, you know, he, I'm not sure if he's in his 50s now. But I kind of feel he's certainly moving in that particular direction and is an amazingly skilled coder. Uh, but that being said, also, you have certain parameters and these kind of things. And they're not parameters that Bob's monitoring. The parameters that interest me, things like rooms being square and stuff like that. 
So, you know, these are the things that I've written in code to check with Bob's code. And now I'm kind of extending Bob's code in terms of manually being able to alter the maps and change the maps up to make them a bit better for agent simulation. So my view with SimCLine is probably that it extends forward till the 100 years of the Second World War, the 100-year memorial. I think it's at least a 20-year project. I don't know if I'm going to survive the 20 years, unfortunately, but my aim is to try and survive the 20 years as well. It's amazing what a pandemic in a cement dust felt environment will cause here. But uh, moving on from that, returning to good health is also part of the trajectory, even if it may not be possible in any case. So SimCLion very much is, it almost feels like the book part of it almost feels like a Wittgensteinian series of essays. It may become a coherent book, but it contains a lot of looking at analysis of documentation and, you know, whether or not it's a contemporary simulation. There's just all this additional stuff associated with the Second World War, as many who are part of this broad analysis group say. Nothing like the last US president, you know, these are just practical realities that people reach for Nazism when they are lacking a proper vocabulary. And my perspective with regards to this is particularly unique because certainly, yeah, I, I'm not a standard um, participant in this group and I often find myself in circumstances where I'm like, hmm, interesting. Particularly now I'm picking up PDFs of a lot of the documentation because I have the physical documentation and the uh, primary sources and now also pick up PDFs, the people I pick up the PDFs from, to be continued. But just fascinating to think that alpha population of a thousand people, maybe one or two, are interested in the stuff that's interesting me. Although 15 to 20 of those people are probably interested that someone is doing this work, which is just oftentimes the nature of my work. So SimCLine, the question was, how is this going to impact wargaming? Well, wargaming is all part of this initially in a variety of, of different guises. But Write Your Own Fantasy Games was fundamentally about taking D&D-like games and putting them in computer simulations. And that was really the origin of, of all my work. It's an Osborne book that you can still get free online to get a sense of what 1982 was like in terms of computer technology. So, and there's a lot of optimization through SimCLine, which I think could represent itself in, in a paper-pencil game with rules and things like that. But that currently is secondary, just to get this stuff out. And... For folks who've been following my other rule systems, this kind of motivation to get stuff out is also there with regards to Just Plain Chaos and the Just Plain Chaos rule set, that if you can write a certain amount of puff and a certain amount of colour around a rule system and put it out as such, it's more, I guess, receptive to a group of folk as opposed to 14 pages, which is where it's at currently associated with the Just Plain Chaos rules. So in any case, an interesting conversation with Spence and uh, Barney, Unfortunately, Dave Sermon was not on the call. I always enjoy chatting with Dave as well. But hopefully he'll be coming back. And I think that kind of catalogues what SimCLine is. It's a bunch of data, I probably should talk about that as well, that I got from the University of Scotland, uh, which are just flat maps, like digital PNG files, flat maps, very little contours, very little of that kind of information, just literally where buildings are, where roads are, kinds of stuff that you'd need if you're walking or riding a vehicle. But also bunch of train information, bunch of rail information, and also waterway information. A lot of interesting stuff codified into a flat map. So a substantial portion of what Bob Bottom has done is take those flat maps, remove the codification, or basically explicitly code for the codification to bring out the details in a, a, 
uh, JSON format, which is a text-based format that just gives coordinates and, you know, this is a road, this is a building, this is a tree, you know, this is an orchard. These kind of things that the maps contain, but aren't actually, like, codified in spatial location. So taking that JSON information, also there's a topological data map that I've pulled from a, a trusted source, let us say, GTOPO30 map, which I talk a bit about in the, in the book. And uh, then there's a whole lot of agent modeling, which I'm also talking about in the book, but hasn't yet been as explicitly codified as the map analysis has. And I have a slight bias not to talk a lot about the map analysis in the actual book, because basically majority of that is Bob's work, but also I don't think it necessarily translates to reading uh, a book in German about uh, the movement from the Hitler Youth into a paramilitary organization written by the Germans about moving the Hitler Youth from the Hitler Youth to a paramilitary organization. And also you're limited by a time as well. So putting it up to 1940, particularly the PDF documentation, a lot of that is newer, uh, like from like 1943 to 1944. Well, because I have the original paper documentation from 1940, I can say that a majority of the text actually hasn't changed, and that's what I'm doing. And the creation of agent modeling based on text documents and YouTube videos and a bunch of other things that I'm calling sources in this also is part of a book, just in terms of explaining how this is done, why this is done, and also the relative usefulness in doing it, which is really a secondary topic that probably needs to be covered in a future book. And uh, yeah, I think that covers everything associated with Sea Lion to date. It's an ongoing project. It's currently completely self-funded. I give a bit of money to Bob. I give a bit of money to the various folks that are involved with the project. And that kind of, I don't know, necessarily keeps them sweet for occasional messages. They get basically a one in three response to emails. But yeah, that's the SimCLine project to put out there as a really a, a phoenix rising from the ashes of my previous simulation career. Uh, about a topic which probably no one really wants to talk about, uh, which in itself is a curious thing. So Tom Barbelay in Las Vegas, Nevada, signing out.